So here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijoma Umbinyo Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Ayan every Monday at 2.30 p.m. on 3CR Community Radio. Welcome back to another week of Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 a.m. I am Ayan Shirwa. On today's show, I am so excited to bring you an excerpt of Auntie Glennis Watts' submission to the Uruk Justice Commission. Before we play her submission, please be aware that Auntie Glennis does touch on themes around dispossession and child removal, issues that are distressing and may be difficult to hear. Remember, you can always call Lifeline for crisis support on 131114. For Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who prefer culturally appropriate services, Give 13YARN a call, that's 13YARN. It is run by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and provides 24-7 crisis support. And now let's hear from Auntie Glennis Watts. My name is Glennis Watts and I'm the daughter of Rita and Tom Watkins, granddaughter of Gwendoline and Les Hudson, who was the daughter of Percy and Lucy Pepper. Lucy was the daughter of William and Lillian Thorpe, and they were Tatalong, Rabalong, and lived in areas around Bensdale. Percy Pepper's parents were Louisa from Bratongalong and Nathaniel Pepper, who was Wajabolic. Louisa's mother was Marikwan from the Bratongalong, and that was around Port Albert and Wilson's Prom area of Gippsland. And I currently reside in Gippsland, just out of Bensdale. I've come down for the day and thank you for inviting me to do this submission to the Commissioners. Uh, Auntie, will you repeat the Truth Declaration after me? Yes, I will. I, Glennis Watts... I, Glennis Watts... ...will provide truthful evidence... ...will provide truthful evidence... ...to the Uruk Justice Commission today. ...to the Uruk Justice Commission today. Thank you. Uh, you've prepared an outline of evidence which you completed yesterday afternoon. Are the contents of that statement true and correct? Yes. Uh, and you've also provided your rook with a copy of two books that were prepared about your ancestors that you will speak about, materials that were produced from a travelling exhibition, four videos and an audio of a radio program. All of those things will also go into evidence uh, and I will tender them all now, Commissioners, uh, because we're going to hear some of that evidence during Auntie Glennis's appearance here today. Uh, I tender Exhibit 2.1 and following. Uh, Auntie, uh, you've, um, you've introduced yourself insofar as you've indicated uh, who you, who your mob are, who you come from. Will you... Um, introduce yourself uh, and tell us about the current positions that you hold uh, and also about the job you've just recently left with the Aboriginal Engagement Unit of DHHS or DFFH. 
So I am currently a member of three um, minister-appointed boards. The Gunnar Kurnai Traditional Owner Land Management Board, and I'm the chairperson of that. The chairperson of the Gippsland Lakes Coordinating Committee, and I'm on the East Gippsland CMA board as well. I'm on the board of Glarwack and on the Elders Council of Glarwack as well. So, and um, I did work for um, East or the Department of Human Services for about seven years, and that was up until August 2022 this year. And it was in the Delta, an Aboriginal-led strategy to address family violence and based in that Aboriginal um, engagement unit. Thank you. Now, Auntie, if you will um, tell us a bit about your ancestors. Firstly, about your great-great-great-grandmother, uh, Merkawan, and then about the peppers. And um, it would also be really useful to know how you found all of this information about your journey of finding out about them? So my great-great-grandparents lived through the white settlement of Gippsland, the massacres of Aboriginal people, the rounding up like cattle and being put onto missions, then removed through the Half-Caste Assimilation Act of 1886 and the government policies and procedures of the day. All of these things happened to children and I believe it is still happening today. The policies and removals are still happening. All of this I will talk about as evidence um, from my great-grandparents and from family. And I have got the books like you mentioned, which was the Footprints books that Mum and I worked with the prof on, which is the um, Archives of Victoria and You Are What You Make Yourself To Be, which was Uncle Philip Pepper's book, and that was my grandmother's brother. I've also got another photo there, which is Lucy's family, Lucy Thorpe, and it starts off with William Thorpe, Lucy Thorpe, my grandmother Gwendoline, my mum, myself, my children, and my grandchildren. And that breath of life, Mum always said, goes on because it's passed down from generation to generation. And Auntie, um, could we, uh, just so that the commissioners know the characters in the, the story you're about to tell, um, if, if the commissioners could be shown yep. um, that and perhaps j just um, step through again um, <coughs> who everyone is across the top, if you can remember it from, from memory. So it starts off with William Thorpe and he's sitting there with a boomerang in his hand. The next one is my great-grandmother, who is Lucy, and her daughter is Gwendoline. So she's in that small photo. The next one is my mum and myself. So, and then it goes on to my son and two daughters and my great-grandchildren who are sitting on mum's knees. I've actually got another two since then as well. But... Um, like I said, the breath of life goes on and it's all around Gippsland, so. Thank you, Auntie. I'll, I'll return that to you at the end of the, at the, end of the oh, hearing. That's fine. Um, now, uh, can you tell us a bit about um, uh, what you found out about those, um, your old, oldest known relatives 
um, her life uh, and the children that she had. So Granny Louisa, her journey started when the so-called big hunts were on for Aboriginal people. Her mother, Meriquam, was raped and that was where the colour changed, apparently. According to her grandson, Philip Pepper, in his book, You Are What You Make Yourself to Be. Meriquan was from Port Albert, Wilson's Prom in Gippsland, and Louise travelled up, her and Louise travelled up and down the coast. When they were at Yarram, when the, Louisa, was when Louisa actually lost her mum. She was killed by squatters, and they both had pallets in them. Louisa still had pallets in her when she died. She was then taken in by a doctor, Dr Arbuckle, and she took on his last name. She started to want to look for her own people, so she ended up being put onto Ramiak Mission in Gippsland. Ramiak Mission was start, established in 1862 by Haganor, who was a reverend at the time. He'd come down from Ebenezer. And that site was going to be in Mafra. It was one of three Aboriginal missions established by the Mahoven missionaries in Victoria. The local farming community opposed the mission being built in that location, so it was moved to near the Avon River near Lake Wellington in Sale. That was where Granny Louisa met and married Nathaniel Pepper from the Wajabolic tribe of the Wimmera region because he'd come down to actually follow Haganor from Ebenezer. The couple had four children, and one of them being my grandfather, Percy Pepper, or great-grandfather. Granny Louisa and Nathaniel Pepper lived on Ramiak Mission. While Nathaniel helped preach the Bible at Ramiak, Louisa was in charge of the Ramiak Orphanage. She was known as the keeper of the Gunai language, was a health and childcare worker for many years. She acted as a nurse and midwife as well for the Gippsland Aboriginal community. She played an important role in holding together family and cultural traditions, especially when this cultural knowledge and language was not allowed to be practised on the mission. Granny nursed Nathaniel in bad health until his death in around 1877. At some time after Nathaniel's death, Louisa married John Jack Conley and hence she became Louisa Pepper Conley and known as Granny Conley. She had another four children while still at Ramiak. Granny Louisa also remained in charge of the orphanage, which at times housed up to 20 children as consumption was taking over are taking a toll on Gunai Kurnai people and other Aboriginal people. So in 1886, the government assimilation policy, better known as the Victorian Half-Caste Act, 1886, had come into effect. It was the act to provide for the protection and management of Aboriginal natives of Victoria. Granny Louise's family were caught up in this act. In 1889, her youngest son, Percy Pepper, was removed from her and the family, was he was sent to an orphanage in Brighton. He was about 11 at the time. 
And Auntie, um, just to clarify this timing, at the at the exact same time that Granny Louisa Connolly, Percy Pepper's mum, was running an orphanage, her own child is removed from her to be taken to an orphanage somewhere else. That's right. He was put into a white orphanage which was in um, Brighton. Yeah. And it must have been devastating for her to actually have that happen um, instead of her being in her care. And especially she had to sign documents to say that he was orphaned or something to that effect, but he wasn't orphaned. She was actually, she'd given birth to him. We're going to pause Auntie's story here and when we return, we hear what happened to Percy. The Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion, and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Commons Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. And now, let's return to Auntie Glennis's submission. So that was pretty hard for us and the family to actually realise what had happened to him in all of that as well. So him being sent off, this was an arrangement in order to educate um, Grandfather Percy Pepper and it was also to, intended to weaken um, the kinship ties that he had or what um, the family had. One year later, after Percy was removed, um, the rest of the family were exiled as well as mixed blood. And the Aboriginal Half-Caste Act of 1886 forced the rest of the family to move off Rumiak Mission to, into the town of Stratford. So Grandfather Percy was at the orphanage for around seven years. My mum used to work for the Aboriginal community. She was working for um, bars at one, at Bell's Bars at one stage and the Children's Hospital as an Aboriginal liaison officer. And she said they had to go and stay at that orphanage, well, stay there once for accommodation. And she said the place had so many bad spirits and vibes in the place that she couldn't stay there. And so... After that seven years of Percy being in the orphanage until August 1896, he was then sent to be an apprentice baker in Lake Boga near Swan Hill. He was there for about a year and someone from Gippsland had called in and told him that someone had died back on country and he decided he was going to run away so he um, wanted to reunite with family. This period of time was most traumatic for Granny Louisa, Grandfather Jack, and Granny Louisa tried to keep helping other Aboriginal people. Her services were very much needed by the Ramiac um, residents and other people, so they were still bringing her back onto Ramiac to actually do things as well. 
because she could speak the five Gunai clan languages, which helped the mainstream community as well to communicate better with the Aboriginal people, as well as her knowledge of understanding the cultural and birthing practices and health and wellbeing of the community. By discussing and having her traditional cultural stories documented, which also included um, how to discipline young, the young, the waterhole near Seaspray, the massacres of Port Albert, stealing girls, Granny Louisa told stories of how men came and stole her and another young girl from their tribe's camp at Port Albert and about the Buen and how they actually found a white kangaroo would take them back home. She talked about the Buen man, who was the clever bloke of the tribe, and how they got him to sing in language and get the one who took the girls away. They sang that bloke right back into the camp and how they would punish, punish him in Gunai law. All of Granny Lucy's stories have been documented in his, her grandson's book from Philip Pepper. And that's um, You Make Yourself to Be. Her descendants still have some of the Gunai languages and stories along with tribal life to pass down to the new generations. Granny Lu Louisa was recognised for her contribution to the Gippsland community in a time of adverse policies and the way government policies tried to destroy Aboriginal culture and families. So she was put into the Victorian Honour Roll in 2020. Granny Louisa has already been recognised in the following ways. A stone monument commemorating Louisa Pepper Conley has been placed in the main street of Bensdale, just outside Coles in the middle nature strip. She's in the Encyclopedia of Aboriginal Australia, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander History, Society and Culture, and also in the online Australian Women's Register. Granny Louise's legacy includes history of Aboriginal and European relations in Gippsland, and particularly the effect of the policies on individuals, families and communities. Reminiscence of traditional lifestyles and customs and life on Ramiak Mission. And we've been able to get some photos of her being on Ramiak Mission from different archives as well. So it's those, because she was the keeper of languages and oral stories and they've been written down by Uncle Philip, it sort of has helped our family to actually be able to research more about her. I think it shows the resilience as well of family. So Lucy Thorpe um, then married Percy Pepper in Lake Tyres and they are my great-great-grandparents. So Mum and I did work with the um, prov and that was um, the footsteps, the journey of Lucy and Percy Pepper. And like um, Savani said, um, we did a travelling exhibition and we did the three, um, three or four DVDs and we also did a podcast with the ABC. The idea of that was so that we could get other Aboriginal people to find their stories in the archive 
because it does actually put the picture about how they were treated and exactly what was going on, especially when you read it in their own words because they're the ones writing the documents and they're writing to government asking permission for everything virtually. So they virtually were living in two worlds. They weren't... Um, they were living on the outskirts of the two worlds. They weren't allowed to go back onto the mission and they weren't allowed to be... or they didn't really fit into white society. They weren't accepted all the time. And the Aboriginal community and their friends and families that were still on the on like Lake Tyres in um, Lucy's sort of case, they had to get permission to actually go back on there all the time. And Auntie, um, will you describe um, the huge amount of material that you were able to obtain through the um, through PROV, and that's the Public Records Office of Victoria? That's right. Um, can you describe the sort of um, material you obtained, um, the, the letters, who they're from, and the sorts of things that they talk about? The letters were actually asking the government. The government virtually controlled all aspects of their lives and it is documented in that book. So the requests were about su supplies. They were cut off from the government. They were living in a tent and Granny Lucy ended up with tuberculosis, a disease which affected the lungs and had to ask government for handouts via letters. <coughs> Percy had showed a great lot of strength um, trying to hold the family together and through his kinship ties, which is a major part of our Gunai life, the fact that he, they were thrust into Western society and he'd been taken away. He got his family and he wanted to really keep that family together. And I think the government, when they were asking... Um, questions about rations and clothing and different things. It was always to the government secretaries. There was no leeway for human needs. So in those days, my grandfather also said it was far better to beg than to steal because he had to virtually ask for things because they were living in tents and everything else. Nothing was hidden in the letters. It was written as if it was written by them. And it was sad to read them signing some of the letters that they were half-cast or your servant or I'm so sorry to trouble you again. They were strong and proud, but the barriers were there to actually stop them from proceeding. And that was Auntie Glennis Watts' submission. I understand that it was a lot to digest, but it was important listening. The truth is hard, but we can't shy away from it. Auntie Glennis' submission is available in full on the Uruk Justice Commission website under hearings. While you're there, watch the other submissions, see what other witnesses and experts have to say about state institutions. Don't pass on love, don't pass on love, don't pass on love. Don't pass on love, don't pass on love, don't pass on love. Oh, 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 oh. 
glass of a rock Could've done it then, but I got nine lives Should've been a rock, but I lost my vibe I'ma bring it back, cause I got my tribe Could've settled down, but I'm down and I'm living Could've stayed low like calm, but the villain But I got the keys and the keys to me So I'm free, let it be, now all is forgiven This how I lead, now this how I rock This way it be when your soul ain't locked This how it be when you take control Look into the future and it's paved in gold I will never lose myself, wish me All my happiness and energy Stuck up in the clouds and lifted up I'ma let it go, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be Who are yo? Sampa, T-E-M-B-O F-R-E-E-Y-N-J-O Contemplating, why oh yo? Concentrating, why aren't you? I'm observing my own ghost And I'm singing my own notes And I'm singing my own Control. Look into the future and it's paved in gold I will never lose myself, it's me All my happiness and energy Stuck up in the clouds and I'll stay up I'ma let it go, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be This I'm sure, some party E-M-B-O If you don't know, now you know If you ain't sure, you gon' know And I'm singing my own notes When I sing in my own shows And we keep on going strong And we keep on going strong
Inner Voice by Sampa the Great featuring Mwanji Tembo. And this was my last episode for 2022. I will return January 16th on 3CR Community Radio. In the meantime, enjoy 3CR's summer programming. You can listen back to this episode on our 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash diaspora blues. I also want to thank the Uruk Justice Commission for bringing Auntie's story to us. All the submissions can be heard on the Commission's website under the tab Hearings. I'm Ian Shirwa and you've been listening to Diaspora Blues.